American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast, otherwise known as on days like today, the American Toffee Gladcast. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Alex. Alex is here. Happy. Happy cast. Gladcast. No, no, I already messed it up like two seconds later. Come Happy on, cast. man. We Gladcast. just we just started it. Fired off. I swear we're professionals. <laughs> and joining us as well, regular recurring guest Ryan Williams. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here. Back to the well-oiled machine, starting off perfectly as usual. <clears throat> we will not cut that, by the way, Alex. You're going to have to live with that. Uh, <laughs> There's no reason to be. I mean, I'm just throwing out, you know, different adjectives. Look, we're all in a good mood, obviously, because Everton were able to win 1-0 against Sheffield United today. Thank God. First one in a while. Three that was points technically away from home, too. Yeah, technically. Tough crowd. Tough, tough crowd. Tough. They were rough. Could tell it was getting to the referee as well. It really was. Uh, Things were out of control. Uh, actually, amazing, since there was no crowd. If there was a crowd, I can't even imagine what was going on there because our referee once again did not exactly have the most stellar performance but we'll talk about that in a moment ultimately three points on the board hard to be too upset other than the fact that maybe it's too little too late for the toffees to rectify the other poor performances this season but let's let's focus on the good today before we jump into the actual match we just wanted to give a quick shout out to james harper aka james h from the discord who offered very kindly to help us out with some editing stuff for the show, which we hugely appreciate. So giant, giant shout out to James. You're the man and you have a great name. Throw it to Alex first. Alex, what's your instant reaction takeaways from today's game? I think overall we saw a lot more energy. I liked that we changed the setup, which obviously we'll we'll dive into a little bit. Um, but I feel like the setup worked a whole lot better and it targeted our off our strengths as a squad currently as we lay with injuries and, and that sort of thing. Um, I thought the passing was more progressive. I thought we were creating a little bit more than we usually were. We probably saw the best um, offensive passing that we've seen in a couple spurts, uh, definitely since the return of the Premier League after the COVID break. So pretty promising, but you know, still overall meh, simply because what's the point at this at this rate? Ryan, what about you? Yeah, good enough to win. Midfield was certainly better, uh, and I think that was aided by the formation, sure. I mean, kind of keeping Andre and Tom Davies a little deeper, where they you cl- clearly they didn't feel quite as much urge to go forward. Um, and we'll talk about the flow of the game a little bit, was, was certainly better. And yeah, you saw a lot more energy, and the passing was a lot crisper, too. Uh, maybe part of that was Siggy. But uh, again, we could talk about setup, but good enough to win is what I would say. Yeah, obviously good enough to win, got the points on the board. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me for the day in the brightest spot, I think, was just the fact that we gave up no shots on target with Jared Branthwaite in with his first Premier League start. Really composed defensive performance, really gave them no legitimate chances. They had a couple where they they looked a little bit threatening, but overall we kept them at bay very effectively throughout the entire 90 minutes. But let's pivot here and talk about when the lineups dropped. Already mentioned that Branthwaite gets his first start. And the lineup comes out in, in it, you know, the graphic that comes out to 4-4-2, but we don't end up really setting up like that. Alex, talk about a little bit of the tactical setup that Carlo went with today. 
Yeah, so it looked like, well, obviously the graphic and, and kind of what you speculate prior to the game, it looked like more of the same and Sigurdsson out left, I think is what the official graphic showed. But in reality, we ended up looking more like a 4-2-3-1 and Sigurdsson played like in the middle up as like an attacking midfielder, second striker to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And then we saw Richarlison out on the left. In terms of the initial lineup and seeing it, uh, obviously, again, like the graphic kind of threw me off. So once I figured out what we were doing, it was definitely more interesting to me. I liked the fact that we had three central midfielders, specifically Sigurdsson. I think his inclusion, it just helps us control the game. And I think the way that the Sheffield set up, it makes it pretty hard to kind of combat that. And so in general, it was a good move. But I do think that it's pretty damning that we did not see Bernard. I don't think Gordon was as much the case. I think that was more so of a resting thing. But the fact that Bernard was not in the lineup and, you know, right when Walcott's back, he's thrust right into the lineup and we see why we miss him as we've discussed before on previous shows. So overall, I mean, I think it was a positive change, and I was glad to see how it developed throughout the match. One thing that was a bummer to me was no Moise Keane, but apparently he was he was hurt. You know, that was kind of a shame. And the thing is, going with the four two three one, it's a more natural formation for these guys. You do sacrifice maybe a little bit of that extra guy playing higher up top, and we saw a couple times where they got isolated if they won it. Yeah, and again, those graphics, man, even when Everton puts it out, I mean, didn't they have Brantwaith on the right side and Keane left in the back? I mean, come on, guys, can we not get it right? I mean, you know, have we not seen that we know Michael Keane's going to be more comfortable on the right? But yeah, it looked like Walcott was playing a little higher, too, than uh, Richie. Richie kind of came back a little bit more for the ball. But yeah, for the most part, it looked like 4-2-3-1 to me. Um, even defending, I felt like it was a little bit that way. And that was a little surprising to me. I thought we would have seen a little bit more of the flat 4-4-2. But uh, it certainly worked. Uh, but, you know, everything works a lot better when you show up on the first play and you actually show a little intensity and some energy. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought that was pretty apparent. Yeah, I did want to just circle back and touch on the Moise Keen thing, because when the lineup dropped and he wasn't included, people were going berserk what on Twitter. They people? were losing their minds. Didn't Carlo like, oh, just say he just said he's, he's going to be an Everton player next year, which everyone should know is the logical case. No, Ryan, we're selling him. Carlo hates him. We're selling him. He's not in the squad. And then like 10 minutes later, it comes out that, of course, he picks up a knock, which is why he's not included. It makes perfect sense. But of course, sense goes out the window anytime you're on social media. We know that by now. But as far as the lineup, I thought, like you said, Ryan, it's hard to say how much exactly contributed from the actual tactical setup and how much was just the overall intensity being upped finally after the last several games. I thought that Andre Gomez and Tom Davies alongside each other in a bit deeper role was more effective. Obviously, adding that extra body in the midfield gave us a little more strength in there and didn't get bullied quite as much as we have been. Neither of those three, obviously, particularly adept defending which we saw, but I thought Tom Davies got around the field pretty well, at least better than Andre Gomez did. And, you know, he was at least he was playing aggressive and, and trying to disrupt things effectively at times, not so effectively in others. And yeah, the wide setup, Theo Walcott really brings a lot wide. You can just tell having a player who's who's naturally wide as opposed to someone like Alex Wilby, who is good at getting the ball forward, but maybe just isn't as comfortable in those areas. And Sigurdsson thought he had a, a pretty solid game in his natural position, finally, for the first time in, in, a, in a while. You could tell that when he's not tasked with as much defense, not as many defensive duties, it really unlocks his ability to kind of pick a pass offensively and, and find those runners, his vision, his willingness to turn with the ball and actually go forward, which is something I think he was really hesitant to do in that two-man midfield. So overall, I thought Carlo deserves you know a lot of credit for the setup and the players deserve credit for the response, albeit too little too late. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, well, really the only bummer about today's performance in general is the fact that it feels a little too late, a little bit uh, 
too late for us in terms of just points on the board. But I think it is good just to to, to start trying to end the season on a positive note. Uh, in terms of like just the flow of the game, I know you kind of mentioned like Sigurdsson did well further forward and that sort of thing. Obviously, Walcott offered a lot of width, um, but I kind of want to break it down in half just in terms of let's talk about like our build up play, because that, in my opinion, was the biggest difference for us or just our play in possession in general. So in the first half, we found that there was a big gap between trying to play out of the back. Right. We were, so we were playing out of the back. Uh, very short from Pickford to one of the center backs to then like Andre Gomez usually was pl- kind of playing like a tip of that four man diamond in the back. And he was he was spraying passes out wide quite a bit. But when you realize when you looked at him and then players like Sigurdsson and Dominic Calvert-Lewin all the way up on the on the end of the pitch, it made it kind of difficult and play tended to break down kind of on the wide in, in the wide areas in the first half. It's hard to win second balls when you're that far away from Dom, you know, and that's such an important part. You know, he's going to get his head on virtually everything. And the second half, you're right. That was a big difference. You know, I mean, I think there was better balance, too. And one thing, yeah, it's a little too little, too late, I suppose. But Carlo, I think, learned a bit about the team today, at least the guys that he had in there. And I'm under no illusions that Tom Davies is going to be starting in as a defensive mid next year. I'm not so sure. Andre should be. But you saw when they were both kind of balanced wide in possession, the buildup didn't go well at first. You know, there was some pressure on Jared, for example, to to make some longer passes in Keen too. And he didn't, neither of them did that particularly well, uh, even though Keen in particular was immense defensively. But yeah, I mean, once we started to push those guys out and we would get possession and Andre in particular came to life in the second half, pushing us forward. And when that ball suddenly went long, because we were very obsessed with building it out of the back, but once we started to play it long in the second half and it kind of moved everyone up more, you saw us win some second balls and we had some very dangerous opportunities off that. I mean, I think the expected goals were a little higher um, than they were, but we also had some opportunities where we didn't even get a shot off, but we looked looked dangerous. So I think that's slightly misleading and that stat's obviously tough to do in one game shot. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I thought we really grew into the game and we found so much better balance, I think, in the second half. And heck, man, we deserve to win. We deserve to win. So I'm glad we went out with it. Yeah, huge contrast in the fir- between the first and second halves. I mean, I thought that we were relying a little too heavily on the right-hand side for the first half. I mean, playing out of the back, it's something we've tried to do under a lot of previous managers. Carlos clearly made it a focal point, at least early on in a lot of games, to try to you know break down the press break down teams by passing through the midfield, short passes, break teams down. And it just with this current crop of players, I just don't know if we have the ability to do it. The movement's not there. Players are not willing to make, I think, risky enough passes that would eventually be able to break down defenses as they press. And so as a result, we kind of resort to the long ball play and we do it well at times. Like we've done it really well this season. I think a lot of our best offensive moments have come from looking to pick players out long. And Andre Gomez, I mean, my God, there were three or four moments this afternoon where he just, and Andre likes to receive the ball and he's good at retaining possession by turning, but he would take like one touch, turn like 180 degrees and just ping like an inch perfect pass. And there was that moment when he uh, he won the ball on the right-hand side and then made that run and then pinged it across. Beautiful cross in, I want to say to, to Calvert-Lewin, who wasn't able to, to finish, but some really creative moments from him, and, and I think he's done a lot to to quiet, silence the haters, so to speak, after today. Yeah, I'm always considered a Gomes hater, so uh, I guess I'll counter to that by talking about our defense, because it's so, you know, we want to talk about our formation with the ball, but it was very, one thing I found very mystifying that I think played into our hands 
was why Sheffield felt so compelled to attack down the right side. I mean, I think almost 50% of their attack went down the right side. And you saw like Sander Berge, Berger, whatever the heck they call him at this point, uh, you know, kind of shading off to that side. McBurney over there, who is a real pain in the butt to deal with at times. And they kind of put Basham up that way a little bit as well. And they kept trying to attack down the left side. And I just for love me did not understand why. I mean, why would you attack on the side that Luca Dean's there? And I know Jared Jer Grantwith is is new, but I mean, he he's he's not a stiff in there. I mean, it seemed odd to me. Richarlison's obviously a very good defensive midfielder, and he worked very hard. I don't think that was a wise thing to do. I, I think they really should have attacked more down the middle and tried to spread us out a little bit and take advantage of Andre and Tom. But to Tom's credit, Tom Tom played a good defensive game too. You know, Andre still. Still, I mean, he was he was instrumental in our transition game. Uh, he still gets bypassed like no one else. But Tom Davies, two tackles, two interceptions. Um, he was still over aggressive at times and left the middle maybe when he shouldn't have. But the lines he took in doing so, and maybe because Sheffield doesn't have the most dynamic players, he got in the way of crosses at least once. You know what I mean? He he still came at them from an angle that made it difficult for them to play it right right past him. So I think there are a lot of defensive heroes today, honestly. The guys stuck in and they gave effort, but I think they showed more discipline too. And it's funny how when you win a couple duels, how suddenly that transition game is much easier. So yes, Andre did get bypassed a little bit too on the right side, but you got to give him credit too. And even Sidibe didn't really do anything expansive, but him tucking inside and playing good defense and take care of the ball helped. I mean, he was the one who was handing it off to Andre and giving him the opportunity to spin and fire a left-footed you know, long ball across the pitch to Richarlison and, and start the offense. So, yes, Andre deserves a lot of credit. He was one of the best players today. His defense still concerns me. But Tom Davies really stepped up and played a very good defensive match in support of that. And I think having that defensive player behind him somewhat helps him a lot. And uh, you can see why him and him and Ghana were so good. I still think that was more of a parasitic relationship rather than a true partnership uh, just because Ghana was so good. But you can see that Andre can be useful against certain teams if you have a very good defensive player behind him. And not that Tom is that, but today he was pretty good. Yeah, so so let's dive into some stats between the two central midfielders, Gomez and Davies. So as you said, Gomez had a pretty positive performance, specifically in terms of passing. So he had an 83.7% pass accuracy, which is exactly what you need from a central midfielder, uh, specifically one that that seemed to be really trying to be progressive in, in the types of passes he chose. So he had nine attempted long balls with seven accurate. So from that position, that's very good to see. And James, as you mentioned earlier, um, that's a testament to why we looked so, I think in general, so much better because we talked about how the team wasn't even looking forward. I mean, it was just constant pass sideways, pass backwards in the last couple of weeks. And so he made a good effort to do so. And I was impressed. But on the defensive side, Ryan, as you said, the only defensive action he, he had was one interception. Now, we're going to look at Tom Davies' stats for a second, and those are literally the complete opposite. So from a passing perspective, he had a 64.7% pass accuracy, which is literal garbage for a central midfielder. He had three accurate long balls, which is fine, whatever. But on the defensive side, though, two tackles, two interceptions, two clearances. So Tom really did step up defensively. But at the same time, we lost possession, by the way, almost twice as many times as they did. Yep. And then I'm looking at Tom Davies' uh, pass accuracy of 64.7%, and you're wondering, if Gomez didn't put in such a fantastic performance, all things considered, you really wonder how much different this game would have looked. 
it's a problem with this team in general. I mean, you go look at the numbers and it's been like that for two or three years. We're just not good at retaining possession. We give it up too often. Um, and it's not because we have tremendous possession and it's not because we're under pressure when we make passes. It's just a team that doesn't take care of the ball very well. And that is why we need that in central midfield so badly. So hopefully we'll, we'll address that in the market a bit, uh, certainly in central midfield. And again, it's okay if you're being aggressive and you're making plays, but Tom was still sitting a little deep to give the ball away that much. And look, you know, a lot of that has to do with first touch. You know what I mean? Under pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to make a good first touch. I mean, you know, your first touch would really be one of two things. Number one, either to get away from trouble or to set up that next pass. And a couple of times you saw good footwork, like a touch with the left and a quick pass to the right. You know, that's kind of like a basic fundamental thing. And he checks his shoulder. All right. But God, he had a couple. He had one in particular when he was playing deep left where he gave the ball away. It's just, it's too heavy at times. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you shake your head and you're like, I know he's a young player, but geez, first touch is something you should kind of have down. And it wasn't like Richarlison who gave the ball away a ton today. I mean, he had something like double digit turnovers. It's totally different when you got a guy draped on your back kicking you. You know what I mean? And you're receiving a ball 50 yards downfield. That's totally different. You know what I mean? That's not really what we're talking about here. Or you're in the offensive third and you're really trying to make a play. You know, you expect a guy that's going to, you know, create a lot. Um, like Gilfie speaking numbers had three key passes today. You know, you could tell he was a little more dangerous, but I think he was dispossessed twice and had three, like three bad touches. Well, that's okay because he's doing that almost in their attacking zone. And as a result of taking those chances, he also created great opportunities for his teammates. So yeah, Tom needs to clean up a lot with the ball, but at least he put the shift in defensively today. Yeah, no, Tom had a, Tom had quite a game and, and, you know, again, it, it's the balance in midfield that we've been searching for, right? Some players will contribute more in certain areas and others will will kind of hopefully fill in the gaps. And, and we still haven't really found that balance in the squad. But again, we're only one game away from a whole summer of speculation, which I'm very much looking forward to. I did yes. want to talk about Michael Keane a little bit. We mentioned him earlier and, you know, playing alongside a player in his first Premier League start at central defense is, is no small task. But I was really impressed with, you know, the the couldn't exactly like hear what they were saying but it seemed like he was he made an effort to really actively communicate with Branthwaite and they they kept their shape really well they kept their spacing really well Keen had a couple really nice blocks he was a monster in the air it really just I think you know a player who a lot of fans have written off because he's gone up and down in form but since the restart he has been I mean the, the only one to be consistently fit to be fair but also pretty rock solid all things considered yeah, I mean, my, Michael Keane has to be the man of the Project Restart, the hashtag Project Restart, start, excuse me. I got to keep with the branding message. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that Ryan liked that. That was a, that was a, that was a business joke. I suppose, that was huh? good. Yep. The nerds. Love it. That's, um, right under, that's right in my alley, right? That's it. The corporate, the corporate folks. Um, yes. but nonetheless, yeah, no, Michael Keane has to be legitimately has to be the man of the Project Restart. And by the way, today, who scored have him rated pretty much uh, well, he's rated man of the match, but he's rated pretty much uh, head and shoulders above most other players. Now, obviously, who scored ratings? Ryan will probably be the first to tell me aren't necessarily the gospel. But nonetheless, I think it does show that quietly he had a very, very, very good game as well. I do not worship at the altar of who scored. That's true. But I will say this. I mean, there's a lot of places where you don't get kind of the instantaneous numbers. I have some questions on their stats, but we'll cite him anyway. You know, some objective evidence to try and explain or validate what we're watching is not a bad thing. I, the question I have with Michael Keane is I still don't think he can play really in a high line. So right. do you sell high? I mean, I hate to say it. We, pro- we probably don't have that ability, but 
you got to give him all credit. And I'll tell you what, Pickford had one moment on a corner oh, where he basically, um, I, I, I don't know how to really describe it. Um, it was like a, I don't know if it was like a right cross to the back of the head of McGoldrick. I think that's who it was. And then got himself out of position and then jumped up and lost the ball. But, but, but I will say this after me, my inner monologue was very strong on that one. Uh, cause his family was around, but, um, he, he settled down actually and took care of the ball pretty well. And I think he, he seemed a little calmer. He may have responded a little bit to what Carlos said. And I think between him and Michael Keane and then, and then, Luca Dean, I thought, played an excellent game defensively today. I think yep. it really helped Jared Brandt with because y- you can tell what an athlete he is. His feet are so good and his composure is remarkable. I mean, I, I cannot believe how calm he'll force a guy out of bounds or just he he won't feel panicked when he gets the ball in the back. The kid is 18. It's unbelievable. He hadn't even played that much in Division Two. It's incredible. But you could see in moments where. He buzzed a couple longer longer passes, you know, in bad positions, hit one into the stands, and and they were kind of forcing us to make that play, you know what I mean, downfield. And you could see in the air, you would think someone his size would just be dominant in the air. And while he's good just because he's naturally tall um, and athletic, his footwork's not perfect yet. He kind of takes some funny angles. And we haven't seen him really had to have to go truly one-on-one versus anyone yet, which I can assure you, even though his feet are so good and so light for his size – his technique is still a little bit lacking. Uh, so kudos to the guys around him that that seemed like they were putting him in position to succeed. And man, that kid, that's remarkable. You know, he he played better than it, today was not as good as his performance the other day, but he really shows some signs of of being a truly great player. I loved that move. I loved him. I watched him on film a lot. Uh, I really was impressed with him before we bought him. I think I came on here and talked about him, but he he has exceeded everyone i would think's expectations to the point where i swear people of the twitterverse please please calm down i mean come on i mean we haven't even seen him for more than 180 minutes in an everton kit and i have watched him a lot the kid is not ready to be a day-to-day starter in the premier league give him another chance next you know on what thursday i'm fine with that that's that's great that's totally wonderful but cut him a break jeez heaven's sakes i i don't think the best thing is for his development is to Maybe, maybe it is, but I, I don't think the best thing is to sit on the bench for us next year. I think he needs to play more. It's just a matter of finding him the right match. But I'll tell you what, he showed enough composure and maturity today that he might be able to play. First, I was like, eh, I don't know if he can really play in a top championship side, but he might get some interest in doing so. I think someone, um, Shane, who I love out there, has mentioned something about maybe, maybe Celtic. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. That league's not necessarily the greatest um but that would be an interesting match too i i think some people will be interested in him uh, and and i'm excited for him i mean the future is very bright and and uh but please just like the moist keen thing just relax and people are calling for ella sims to play today and i get that, that sentiment was... okay if you if you bring him in for experience there's some merit to that i'm not saying it's crazy but don't don't start saying oh well moist keen is hurt we're done with him bring on ella sims those two are night and day Moise Keane was scoring a goal a game in the U23s or U21s equivalent Juventus at age 15. Ellis Sims scoring 32 goals in the U18s means absolutely nothing. So we need to stop that. Come on, calm down, relax. But it was good to see him on the bench, and I'm sure he was pretty stoked about it. Yeah, great to see Ellis Sims on the bench. I mean, you know, again, we're, we're with Moise Keane out. You would have thought that that spot would have been his. But one for the future, I, I do agree with the sentiment that 
you know, you can't make these knee jerk reactions and set the bar too high for these players. You have to be very realistic and, and pragmatic with expectations. People forget we still have Lewis Gibson out on loan, who, you know, I think the the message from Marcel was that he would likely be in the picture for at least competition for a first team spot next season. I don't think that Branthwaite is, is one that would be ready for a, a bench role. And, and that, again, like you said, Ryan, doesn't really benefit him from a long term development perspective. It will be interesting to see what type of loan move he's able to get. If that is the direction we end up going, was he ready for a, even a like quote unquote lower Premier League side to be ready? I, I doubt it, but championship would be interesting. And, and you know, we don't exactly have a, a great history of our loans paying dividends, at least when we lower loan players to lower divisions. But I am optimistic about about both Sims and Branthwaite, but I am also very optimistic about Moise Keen, despite seemingly a lot of the fan base kind of being fed up with his supposed lack of uh, lack of production this season. We'll see a different Moise Keen. I have no doubt. Agreed. Upcoming season. No doubt. I mean, we'll, ju- we'll just see a different Everton, right? Because I think it was a, it was sure a smart... So, Alex. <laughs> it, it, well, it was a smart point you brought up earlier when you said, like, at the very least, Carlo Ancelotti, although, I mean, we, we, we got to win. The points don't mean a whole lot. But at the very least, Carlo Ancelotti, I think, learned something, as you said, about the squad. Uh, one of those things, really, and this is right before we wrap it up, is I just wanted to mention Gilfie Sigurdsson. Right, we've been playing a flat four four two for seemingly forever nowadays with the world with, with how the world is going. And today, Sigurdsson played more of like a, a number ten role, which we know he's much more confident with. Now, I don't think he was perfect. He didn't have some stellar performance, but in my opinion, he was able to get on the ball way more. I I was encouraged to see that you know we saw you know the trademarked Sigurdsson quick look for the pass in behind. You know, he receives the ball and he looks to one touch it for a nice quick through ball in behind. We've seen it in all his all of his uh, highlight videos from the past. And so it was nice to see that as well. I feel like the team itself benefited from from link up play, A, because I think Gomez obviously had a better game, but B, because they had Sigurdsson floating around. And I think he uses that space better as a team player, and please don't take that in the wrong way, than Richarlison does when it comes to linking up with other players. Richarlison is a good player. And Wait, he does link up pretty well. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is <laughs> he doesn't make, he doesn't necessarily make everyone around him better. He does sometimes, but not in the same way, I suppose. I'm just digging myself a deeper hole, but hopefully you two understand my sentiment. <laughs> no, he's a little yeah, more sore. He's coming. a goal scorer. I mean, yeah, he's a yeah. creative guy. He could be a little sore. That's fine. I, I know what you're saying. It's not a bad thing. Well, one last player I wanted to quickly touch on because I don't think we've even mentioned him yet. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who had, of course, the header that went off the post that could have very easily put us up before the half. Mm. And he also had a couple other halfway decent chances. He had that ball where he he took it off his chest and took a really heavy touch that didn't materialize. And then he had one other decent chance outside the box where he probably could have laid it off but decided to try to create something. And it, it took a not a major deflection, but a slight deflection. And Henderson actually does pretty well to, to end up making the save. Do you think Carlo Ancelotti learned anything new about Calvert-Lewin today? Ooh, I'll tell you what, I, the one thing I will say about Dom is I, I think probably our fans have learned a little bit about him maybe the last couple of weeks and that he's I, I still think he's very good and he's got to play. But you can see when he has the ball running with it, uh, he needs to improve a bit. You yeah. know, he he's not too much of a threat to go by people unless he has a lot of space because God knows he has pace. Yeah, the vision. You know what I mean? Like he, he missed some guys today that I, I'm not saying shooting was a terrible idea, but. Um, 
Yeah, he's still got a ways to go, but he's a young player and and he's still developing. And I think sometimes we forget that because he's banging a couple goals. And, and let's be honest, man, that guy works hard. He's really good defensively and he still gets his head on head on everything. But um, and you're playing with a different formation and some people in different places, maybe. But man, I'll tell you what, he still is murder on certain center backs. I mean, he blasted a couple guys today in the fashion that we we're accustomed to seeing every now and then that I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, it's funny to see him take Egan and put him into the pretty much the <laughs> advertisements at one point. He was and Egan's really good. And he was so mad. And and he wins duels. That's the one thing, man. I know everyone wants to see this pretty beautiful game, but sometimes you just got to win the battles. And and one of our best chances were when when Dom won a battle with Egan and took the ball and ran with it. Now he missed. I think it was Walcott cutting down the middle, but um, yeah. but he still won the duel to get to that point. And people got to remember another thing too. You know, even the best strikers out there don't finish at any higher rate really than anyone else. It's that they get themselves in dangerous positions. And he was pretty unlucky on the head ball. You know what I mean? That was a, a good job. He went up in the air and he's going to continue to get better. I mean, how many of our players do we think are going to get worse? It's something to be somewhat encouraged about. You know, Richarlison's not getting any worse. Dean is still coming into his prime. Um, obviously, Dom is going to get better. Keane's oh, ceiling is as high as literally any striker out there. I don't care what people say. If they don't know that, I mean, there's a reason why we paid that much money for him. You know, we saw an 18-year-old come to the lineup and do do very well today. Our other two center backs that I think are our best two by a good bit, Mina and Holgate can get much, much better. Um, even Jordan Pickford, believe it or not, may somehow gain some maturity and some composure and get better. So uh, Awobi obviously has not had a good year, but I know he's a good player and he can get better. I mean, these are things that we should be encouraged by. And so if you suddenly put some guys around them that can really do the job in certain key positions, midfield, uh, and right back, by the way, I will say that right back because you saw Sadide was fine and controlled today, but... Boy, imagine if we have a Luca Dean on the right side. It's a different team. Absolutely. It's, it's a totally different team, you know, it's with some pace, some size and strength. You know, Seamus has come in and done some good stuff since the break, but he, he he hasn't had a game yet where he was great defensively and he ran up forward with the ball. And, it, you know, I, I just I'm encouraged. I think all these guys are going to have a better year under the same system in a manager that no one's going to question anymore. No one's going to come out and say, you may say Carlo got it wrong. Well, I shouldn't say that because some people actually were on Twitter saying the craziest stuff the other day. But, you know, if Carlo gets it wrong, it's fine. But no one's questioning his authority at this point. That's done. And that's going to make a big difference. So I'm excited about the window. I hope he performed well in our last match. But I'm definitely excited. I mean, I love transfer window, man. That's bread and butter. That's my thing, man. I love it. You know, it's I love it. I live for it. So, I mean, I love watching the games. I watch way more games and. Anyone I know, but I have to admit, I, I, I love the transfer window. Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's a good spot to go ahead and plug the fact that all three of us do plan on doing a nice big like transfer window roundup episode pretty shortly after the season's over, too. So look out for that uh, in the near future. And otherwise, join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. And we'll be with you guys next time. And until then, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.